All right, good morning. So good to be here together with you this morning. Um, I'm excited about what God has to teach us this morning about faithfulness. Thank you for showing up this morning. Thanks for coming. It'd be really lonely without you guys, you know? And when you're not here, when, when somebody is not here, we're just less. We're always less when somebody isn't here. Not that we're saying, hey, you just got to be here. Because, boy, faithfulness, this is a spot where I could just, we could just beat each other up all morning, right? We could, really just, uh, we could really just get after one another here in this area of faithfulness. And I want to challenge, to some degrees, how we see that and how, we, how that is, is portrayed and how that plays out so many times in God's Word. See, faithfulness is a steadfast, being steadfast in allegiance or affection. We have words that we tie to it like loyalty, dedication, commitment, devotion, fidelity. Uh, it is faithful. That's the thing, right? It is faithful as we talk about this. And so we're going to be talking about this component of faith and how even that plays into the idea of becoming faithful. Hebrews 11.1, 1, when God defines this idea of faith for us, he says it's the assurance of things that are hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So there's a difference here. There is a difference between belief and faith. Faith is not belief, and belief is not faith. In other words, let me just do this real quick. Let's say we'll use the old chair illustration, right? The stool. Got a stool here. And I could look this thing over, and I can examine it, and I'm seeing that all of the, the screws are in it. Um, it's together. It seems to be structurally to have its integrity it seems to be a pretty decent stool whenever I shake it. It seems to be pretty solid. I believe that if I sat in that stool, it would hold me up. That's belief. But see, God is calling us to something deeper than that. God is calling us to faith, which is to sit in the stool, is to allow the stool to hold you up. It's the same. It's the difference between believing in Jesus and having faith. Allowing him, allowing him to be the place that all of our faith is poured out towards. And see, faithfulness, if belief coupled with, starts with belief, but then it's coupled with faith, leads us to faithfulness, and faithfulness is staying here. It's not jumping off of the stool. It's not jumping onto other stools. It's not going here. It's not going there. It's not going all over the place. It's being faithful. It's about trusting and believing this, allowing it to hold us up, allowing the gospel to hold us up, and then sticking there and staying. And I, I think that that's really what God is talking with, uh, uh, to us about in this area of faithfulness. You see, faithfulness and faith, they go hand in hand. They're a part of one another. And, and I want to challenge, maybe possibly challenge your view of, of being faithful and full of faith. See, Jesus said oftentimes, he said, it's your faith that has made you well. It's your faith that has healed you. It's your faith that has done these different things. And I don't know about you, but for a long time, I thought about faith as being something about trying to attain a state of mind. Like, man, if I could just have zero doubt, zero struggle in this area, if I could just become so full of faith, 
and, 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 and with nothing, no wavering, no struggle, no nothing like that, then, then that's that place that I've arrived and I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual thoroughbred at that point in time, right? And, and, and I'm just going to be able to just receive and open up this channel. But, you know, I don't know that I see that. I want, I want to really kind of challenge our, our, our thinking in that. See, because I don't believe that, that faith is, is, is this idea of, of, of trying to attain a state of mind, a perfect spiritual position in which now all of these things are now open to us. I, I think it's simply sticking. I think it's about being faithful. I think it's about recognizing, allowing this gospel to hold us up and staying there. I think that when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, he's talking about that. He's not talking about this end game. He's not talking about achieving. Sure, he's, you know, sanctification is bringing us into a place of deeper and deeper faith. And as we exercise our faith, certainly our belief grows, our faith grows, our actions grow out of our belief, and and we begin to act and we begin to move more in this manner. But it starts with the little things. God is always just starting us with the, with the smaller things. See, if it wasn't this way, if it was something that we had to attain, then what we would really be talking about isn't faith in God. We would begin to be talking about faith in faith, that we're putting our faith in faith. We're putting our faith in our ability to become a spiritual thoroughbred, and, and, and that isn't really putting our faith in God. That's really a work. It becomes a work that we are then trying to produce, you see, So it's not faith in faith, it's placing our faith in God. It starts with the little things. You see, in our heart, too, is always going to be faithful to where our treasure is at. We talked about that last week. You know, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as we kind of approach this, I want to approach this in this way of let's get to know Jesus more. Let's really get to understand the depth of his character, who he is. Let's allow him to lead us into a place of deeper faithfulness. Again, these these things, these uh, flavors, if you will, of the fruit of the Spirit aren't these things that we're trying to manufacture. These These are really just a matter of sticking, of staying, right, of, of, of being rooted in and grounded into Jesus, right? He, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That again, we're not trying to be faithful. We're not trying to express love in a deeper way. We're not trying to have joy. We're not trying to experience peace or kindness or goodness. We are connecting ourselves to Jesus as the source, continuing to believe and believe together that he is able and he is that source. And when we're connecting in that level, there's an outflow out of our lives because now we're connecting with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit now is being made manifest in in our lives. And, and, And so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness begin to be an outflow out of our lives. We begin to agree with God and have God changing our heart. We, we repent, which we, we begin to agree with God in our, in our mind. We allow God and his word to transform and to challenge us and who we are and to transform our mind. And then from there, God is changing our hearts. We, we change our mind. That's what we have control over and the ability to do is change our mind. But when we change our mind and agree with God, he begins to change our heart. And when he does that, he begins to make us more faithful. 
And I don't know about you, but, but probably we're all in here and we're struggling with this concept of how am I doing in being faithful? What am I faithful to? And, and am I really faithful? Because when I look at my life and I look at the things I'm doing, I'm not always that faithful. I'm faithful to things that maybe at times I, I shouldn't be faithful to. And so again, we could, we could take and we could sit in this place and we could just beat each other up in, in how we're doing with this area of being faithful. Or we can grow together in the Holy Spirit and we can allow God to change something in us and create something in us more and more into a deeper and deeper place and faithfulness being one of those things. See, it's found in the small things. Matthew 25 His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's a parable, right, about the talents, and and, and, and it has a variety of amounts that it's talking about. But, But when there's faithfulness to what's in front of that particular person, there's always the same reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and now I'm going to multiply it. It's going to grow. So, so faith, our faith is something even that is when we're faithful in this, that God is going to begin to multiply different things into our lives. And we're going to enter into and we're going to experience the joy of doing the things that God is calling us to do. And there's no greater joy in the world. There's no greater fulfillment in our lives than to be actually participating with the God of the universe in what he is doing in this world. There's nothing better than that. You see, faith is multiplied and it begins with small things. Jesus said something like, if you had the faith of a mountain, no, no. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain, right? That, that it starts with a little thing, that when we bring just a little thing before the Lord, trusting and believing and knowing that he's the source and that he's our hope, he is able then to move just amazing things in our lives, right? And the mountain always represents that thing that's, it, it, you can't get beyond it, it's too much, it's this barrier, it's this thing, and God says, no, you come to me with just a little faith, and I'll grow that. So I'm going to give you my analogy again from, from my former first career or whatever as a horse trainer, right? When I would work horses, it always had to start with the little thing. When I started to work with a new colt, a young horse, or, and especially like one that had never been touched or never been ridden, and you know, it, it didn't matter what to me what they, that there was one little thing I needed from them. I need you to move your feet. That's it. Uh, the, the, the biggest problem I could have as a horse trainer was a horse that wouldn't move its feet. And I'm going to tell you that spiritually, that's the same thing too. When our hearts are set in a rebellious place, that's a rough one. That's a rough one to move. That's a rough one to get through. It was my worst problem. But so for me, I didn't care what the horse did. I didn't care how they moved. When I get near them, I didn't care if they wanted to paw my head off, try to kick me or anything else. I just need you to move. Why? Because I'm the one who's going to shape the movement into something else. That it just started with a little, you, if you'll just move, I'll start to shape what, the way that you're moving and what you're doing, and I'm going to start to shape it up into something that's growing the relationship deeper and deeper, 
I'm going to start demonstrating to that horse that I'm, I'm actually the source. I'm the way out of pressure. I'm not the pressure in your life. I'm actually the way out of it. And then if you'll begin to connect with me and move with me, I'm, I'm going to start to show you how to move, when not to move, how to change direction, cadence, how hard to move, how fast to go, all of these different kinds of things. But it always started with something simple. Just move your feet. I think faithfulness starts to look like that in our own Christian lives as well, that God is like, just move your feet. You're like, oh, but I don't know, God. I don't know where to go. I think God might be calling me to Africa or to, uh, to, to, to China. And God, which one should I? I think God's like, sometimes I think, just pick one. I don't know. I'm into both of those places. You know, you go there, I'll do this. You go here, I'll go do this. But in the meantime, how about you move your feet in your community too? right? Recognizing that it's not the big things. It's not that end result. It's not always just going on the big mission trip. It's the reality that God wants to meet with you today, and that he's got things for us. And if we'll just be faithful to move our feet in it, he's going to move us, and he's going he's to create a cadence and a harmony and a relationship with us. He's going to teach us how to feel of him. I, I literally, everything I did with a horse had no restraints to it, basically, for the most part. Every once in a while, I would, I, you know, I'd help them along different times. But, but what I really wanted to do was to d- develop a feel, something that was like a, it, it was literally a feel, and it was a means of communicating apart from any kind of force. And I'm just going to tell you, God is never going to force you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you move your feet. He's not going to make you do these things. He's not going to make you be faithful. He's good. He's kind. He's loving all the time. And he's not going to make us do those kinds of things. Even in James 1, we're like, yeah, but try it. It says this. It says, James 1 says, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, if anyone asks, needs wisdom, uh, ask of God who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the seas, tossed to and fro on the wind and the waves. It, it, it's this, but, but that idea of doubting isn't the idea of going in there and going like this, oh, man, I don't know how God's going to react to this. It, it, it's really the idea of because of another judgment or because of another option or another chair that I might sit in, that's the kind of doubt that it's talking about. It, it, it's, it's talking about not just going to God and sticking and saying, you're the source and you're the way. It's about jumping back and around, and then you're tossed to and fro on the wind and the waves. It's about going to God and saying, God, I got this, and I trust you, and I'm, and, and, and I'm putting my faith in you, and, and I need you to do this in my life. Okay, God, you're obviously too busy for this. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to try to get this done this way. That's the kind of doubt that it's talking about in James 1. Are you kidding me? Do you think that we don't really go whenever it's time and when it's critical, when there's a deep need, when there's a brokenness, when there's disease and stuff, and that we don't go to God kind of going, man, I don't know if you're going to show up. I don't know if you're going to move in this. But keep going. And when we go, when you're going to God, that's faith. It's faith. Even if you're struggling, it's not about attaining a perfection. It's not about going and just saying, okay, I'm perfectly, you know, no, it's about going. Why? Because he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. See, it has, the, more that, the longer that I do this, the more that I recognize how little this has to do with us and how much it has to do with God. It's all about God. Everything about this that we're talking is about God. 
and who he is and his faithfulness and that he is the one who is able. He is the one who will do it. He is the one who is faithful. And we're all struggling. Matter of fact, you know, when we look into the Bible and we see some of the people who are commended for faith, Hebrews chapter 11 deals with this whole idea of, of all of these folks that were, that were so full of faith, they were so faithful that they got like a special little, there you go, way to go, right? One of them's Abraham, the father of faith, we say. When we look at Abraham's faith, and, and when you start to really examine it in the Bible and you look at the life of Abraham, there's some messed up stuff there. First thing God tells him, you know, Abraham wasn't an amazing guy. There was, there was nothing special about Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshiper from Mesopotamia, just like everybody else was. But God called him out of that. God, rec- God said, hey, I've got something for you. And he said, I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave the family, your family, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to lead you to. And what did he do? He took his, his family with him, Right? He didn't go like God called him to go, but he went. He moved his feet. He began to go. Short time later, chapter 12 of Genesis, he gets to Egypt, and he gets really afraid for his own life. And so he says to his wife, tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me. Right? So his wife gets taken into Pharaoh's uh, harem, basically. And guess what? Abraham starts getting donkeys and camels and goats and sheep. He's living the high life. He's basically become a pimp. I hate to say it, but he's basically just sitting back. He's, he's enjoying the, the, the high life while his wife is, is in the harem of Pharaoh. And God had to go in and interrupt that whole thing. And tell Pharaoh, look, you better stop this and you better get all of this back. Because, but, but, and then guess what happens? Oh, wait a minute. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. Abraham, uh, it says that he believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. He sat in that chair and, and, and God credited it to him as righteousness. And, um, and then God began to tell him that, that he was going to give him a land. He was going to give him over this whole land of, of this whole place. And you know what Abraham's response was? It wasn't this. God, you have said it, therefore it will be. See, that's what I think about a guy when I think about a guy of faith, right? But that's not what Abraham said. You know what Abraham said? God, how will I really know that this is going to happen? How's that for faith? But you see, God, 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 and then what happens is that we see that God enters into a covenant with him. And we're going to talk about covenant here in a minute. But with Abraham, chapter 20, guess what? He did it again <laughs> with his wife. Tell him you're my sister. It's crazy. And we, and we think about that. And we, so, so what we see in this guy's life is we see his shortcomings. We see, well, you know what? And when you look at everybody in the Bible, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see their shortcomings. You're going, to see, you're going to see that these aren't perfect people that we're talking about. When you, when you look into here, you're going to see that Noah's drunk in the tent. He was another one of those guys that was, that, was, uh, that was commended for faith. Sarah, Abraham's wife, 
when God told her that she's commended in, in, in this thing for her faith, but remember what she did when God told her that she was going to have a son? She laughed. She's like, at my age, are you kidding me? God said, why you laugh? I didn't laugh. <laughs> now she lied. I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. Commended, though, as being a person of faith. There's a Syrophoenician woman that, deals, that Jesus has an interaction with. He's, he's with his disciples, and they're resting, and they're, they're in, the, in, in this Gentile land, and this, this woman, this Syrophoenician woman, this Gentile woman comes to him, and she says, look, Jesus, she says, my, my, uh, my daughter is, is possessed by a demon, and, and can, you, can you cast this demon out? And you know what Jesus told her? He said, this is rough, he said, he said, well, it's not good to take the bread that's meant for the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, when Jesus said dogs, thankfully, he said like puppy, like, like cute little house dog. But see, see the, 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 Israel, the people of Israel, they, they weren't a dog culture like we are. They, they didn't care about dogs. Were, they, were, they were grungy. They were uh, strays. Uh, they, they didn't love dogs. As a matter of fact, they called the Gentiles dogs. And now Jesus just called her a dog. She's coming to him, though. And she says, look, when she comes to him, she's saying, look, I'm recognizing that you're the source and you're the, you're the means by which this deliverance can happen on my daughter's behalf. And then Jesus says something like that. Jesus just challenged her. He just challenged her. He gave her every opportunity in the world to just walk away. If you're going to call me, fine. You call me a dog, I'm out of here. But that's not what she said. You know what she did? She said, yeah, but even the, even the crumbs that fall off, the puppies, the dogs get the crumbs that fall off of the table, the children's table. And what's she saying? She's saying, I know you're still enough. You're still the source. And I'm refusing to be insulted by you. And I can tell you this, you, if, if you're going to follow Jesus in your life, you better refuse to be insulted by him because he's gonna, he's gonna, things in here are going to insult you. They're going to challenge you. When we start to look at our lives and who we are in comparison to this, it's going to, it's going to, it's, it's going to be an affront to who we are. And Jesus said, he commends her then for her faith. Why? Because she kept coming. She kept saying, you're the source. Do you think a little doubt might have come? think a little thought probably came through her mind. Golly, he just called me a dog. What do I do with that? Well, you're still the source. You're still the place. You see, that's faith. That faith continues to push forward and continues to grind in despite doubt, despite misgivings, despite offense. It keeps going and it keeps saying, you're the source. Amen. Amen. Luke 11 Starting in verse 5, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give, get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and get him whatever he needs. Need bread. You got bread. I need bread. Can I get some bread? 
have some bread, right? It's that continuing to say, you're the source. I know where there's bread. See, this is the reality of who we are, right? We're just beggars that are hopefully telling other beggars where they can find some bread, right? And listen to this. He gets up and he gives them that bread, and, and then Jesus says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if he asks his son for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Roman centurion was the same. It was this Roman centurion who came and said, look, I need you to heal my, my servant here, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus said, okay, well, let's go to your house. And he said, no, we don't have to because I'm a man of authority. And I see, I know that you're a man of authority. And so I tell people what to do and they go and they do it. And I know that you can do that as well. And Jesus said, wow, look at that faith. That, that kind of faith that would say, you are the source. You, you say it, and, and it'll be done. You see, so many times we're, we're so prone to making it about us, but it's all about him, and it's just about this issue of going to him. The woman with the issue of blood who crawled through a crowd of people to touch the hem of his garment was healed. It was her faith that had made her well. Why? Because she knew this, she believed that, that he could do it. Did she have doubts if it would happen? I bet she did after 12 years of dealing with the same thing. She was out of options, but you know what she did? She crawled through that crowd anyway, and she said, I, I, I'm just going to believe that he could do this. Did she have doubt? I bet she did. Hasn't happened yet, but maybe. But see, she kept going to the source. It's really all about God's faithfulness. I want to just look at some verses that deal with that. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that idea, too, that when we just go to him in confession, he, he's going he's to forgive our sins. He's going he's to cleanse us from the unrighteousness. He's going to heal us. He's going to heal you. He wants to heal us of the results of sin in our lives. You see, God is about our freedom. So many times he's getting a bad rap in this deal, but, but God is about our freedom and he's about our healing. He's about making a new creation. He's about setting us into something new. He's about creating into something that wasn't there before. He's not about just saying, look, that's what you want to do, so just go do it. He's about calling us and, and pulling us into a higher view of this whole thing and saying, no, I have more for you. I have healing, I have health, I have goodness for you. See, God has cut a covenant with us. And a covenant is different from a contract. A contract says, if you do your end of things, then I'll, be, I'll do my, I'm obligated to do my end of things. But a covenant says that regardless of what you do, I will fulfill my end of it. As a matter of fact, when he entered into a covenant with Abraham, he put Abraham to sleep. And God was the one who walked between the halves because 
Abraham could never fulfill his end of the covenant. You and I are able to fulfill our end of the covenant. It's not about us. It's about the one who is able to fulfill this covenant and the one who is faithful to you and I regardless. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Again, it's just this idea of wavering. Let's just, let's pick and stick. Let's, let's be faithful. Let's in faith sit in this place of belief and let's agree together on this God who is so faithful. And let's understand it's about Him who is faithful. Our hope is, is in the unseen. It's conviction of things unseen. It's, it, it's a hope. We don't know the outcome, but He does. And because we know that, we, we go to him and we recognize that he is the one who is faithful. Let therefore those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. There's a reality that there's, there's suffering in the world. There are hard things and, 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 and it's going to come our way. It, it's going it's to happen again in here. It's not an if, it's a when. Our church body will experience suffering. We have in the past, we will again. Individually in our lives, you're, you're experiencing hard things and suffering and, and, and things that we didn't ask for and we don't understand, but we continue to entrust ourselves to a faithful God who is working all things for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. We remember and we know that because he's been faithful in the past that he's going to be faithful in the future. And regardless of what struggle we're coming up against, we understand that this is a God that because of love, his love, because of the end game, because of where we're going, because we're, we're, we're moving into something that is greater than this, and so therefore... What's the here and now can't have eternal implications on us. It's it's hard and it's real, but one day it's going to be replaced by a greater reality, by a greater truth, and we're going to live in that. And so then for the here and now while we're struggling and while it hurts, we're going to continue to push in and believe and trust that he's faithful even when it's hard and even when it doesn't feel good. It says, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He's the one who will, will establish you. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not sit in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in its season. It's this idea that, that where it says that he will establish you, where it says firmly planted, the, 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 the idea in that in the Hebrew is that it was, it was moved from one place and it was planted somewhere else and it was planted not just haphazardly but firmly. This is our lives and this is who we are, that, that God will establish you and then he's going to guard you against the evil one. It's a God who is establishing us. It's a God who is having us to be firmly planted by streams of water. And when we're firmly planted by those streams of water, fruit becomes a byproduct. 
Faithfulness becomes something that begins to show up in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness become part of what's coming out of our lives. Because we're trying to produce it? Because we're trying to become spiritual thoroughbreds? No, because we're connecting to the source. And when we connect to the source, it becomes an outflow. It's like we become a hose. You just got to get screwed onto the, to the spigot. Then it gets turned on. And then there's water coming out of us, but it's... But, but the hose, apart from the spigot, good luck, right? Lamentations 3, 2, 22, 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It never ends. It never ceases. God will never quit loving you. If you have no relationship to Jesus today and you're in here, you, you can't out sin his grace. You can't have been the one person who went a little bit too far and now you're outside of it and he can't, he can't reach in there. Or he can't meet with you or he's angry with you or he's mad and he doesn't want to meet with you. No, no, this God, his mercy is new every day. Every day is an opportunity. You don't have to wait till the 1st of January. You start today. Right now, his grace and his mercy is new every day. Why? Because of his faithfulness. He is faithful to you and I. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. We can count on that. We can know that. We can understand that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation nor shifting of shadow. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How comforting that is that today when it's hurting and we're struggling and we don't understand it or whatever, that today he's the same. He's steady. We can anchor up to this. We can believe on this. We can agree on this together. We can understand that regardless of how I feel, even if I'm in the pit of depression today, he's the same. He's there, and he's able, and he's willing, and he's good, and he's never going to change. We change. We can't really always count on what we're going to say because I don't know what might happen in two years. I could say something today, and two years later, I'll think something different. God is never going to be like that. His position towards you is perfect. His love for you is unconditional. It's unwavering. It's never changed. When you are at the worst, when you look at yourself, and you're the most disgusted in yourself, and the most ashamed of what you've done, God did not love you less in that moment. And he didn't love you more when you were jumping from mountaintop to mountaintop. His love is always perfect. It's always right. It's always aligned towards you. And it's always inviting us into something greater, something higher. Because isn't that what we need, church? We need a higher vision. We need a higher vision than what this world is offering. We need to understand that there's something greater. And there's something worthwhile to our faithfulness. There's something that's worth being faithful to. And there are many things out there that aren't worth our faithfulness and our allegiance to. Finally this, I'll close with this, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. 
If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. There's a big difference between denying him and being a little bit faithless for a while, struggling in that area. Denial is a whole other thing. That's, that's that rebellion that we're talking about. That's that, you know, I believe that'll sit in that, uh, that that would hold me up, but I'm not sitting in it. That's no faith. But when we sit in it and we're struggling and we're wondering why things are coming our way or why things are like they are and we're having a hard time and, and we're just saying, I just don't feel it today, Lord. I don't feel it. I'm struggling. I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time here. He's faithful because you're still here. And maybe you feel faithless in your heart, but, but, but maybe there's just a little bit like a mustard seed. And maybe just like, who knows, don't quit right before the miracle because that mustard seed, that little bit of faith could be just about to move that mountain right out of your way. He's good. He's faithful, amen? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We thank you that it's, it's not about us and it's not about what we can produce, but it is about what, what when we bring what little faith we have and we invest it into who you are and to the systems of you and we stick there, that you are able to move us in directions and to move mountains in our lives. You're able to, to take us to a place that we've never been before and you're able to produce in us character that wasn't there before. So Lord, may we just, may we just rest in your faithfulness. May we rest in your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, and your faithfulness today. And may, may an outflow out of our own lives May it produce a greater faithfulness, a greater faithfulness to the things of you, a greater faithfulness to, the, to your church that you died for, a greater faithfulness to be a part of that, a greater faithfulness to give into that, to sow into that, that we might reap together something that is greater than we could have ever imagined. So grow us in this area, Lord. Grow us in all of these areas. Help us, Lord, as we connect deeper with you to have these attributes of the Holy Spirit, evident in our lives. So that when we walk out of here today, Lord, that we might walk out of here changed and different and that the world might see that and they might desire to, to know what it is that would, that would move us in such a different direction or cause us to act in a way that's contradictory to, the, to what the world is telling us. Lord, help us to go out and to be the light and the light of Jesus to a world that is searching, that so desperately wants to find something, that wants to have something, that is desperately clawing and looking for truth. May we go out and be your ambassador today. May we recognize that all you're asking us to do is just to start to move our feet, to just be willing, that you'll shape everything else up from there. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor today. Why? Because you, oh God, are faithful and the only one worthy to receive all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.